Friends, would you stand with me as we read the Lord's Word again? We're in Ephesians chapter 6, and we will be reading verses 10 through 17 again. Again, let us listen to the Lord's Word. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. In addition to all taking up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Amen. Would you please be seated, friends? Again, our Father, we thank you for your word and thank you for this timely message and pray that your blessing will be upon it, that you would give us ears to hear, and we pray, Lord, that the gospel seed will be scattered and that it will produce fruit for your kingdom and your glory. We come to you, Father, as those who are weak, both this servant and these, your people, and we ask for your mercies to be upon us today. We pray that the seed of the gospel will not be taken away. We pray, O oh Lord, that what is said is heard, and what is not said is not heard. We ask that the kingdom of Satan itself would suffer great injury today, that you would advance your kingdom in this world that is dark and fallen. So we ask for your help, and now pray for your blessing as well. In Jesus' name, amen. Friends, until the time of the Lord's return, we are engaged in a tremendous battle, a battle that rages against our souls, uh, those of us who are redeemed, and a battle that rages against those even now that, uh, who sit in darkness. We are given a great charge as the church. The charge, and we're seeing this on, um, in our study in Acts on Sunday nights, but it is to make known that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. All of the suffering and persecution that Paul and Barnabas went through, one thing is for certain, is that whatever they went through, they'd get up, they'd dust off, and they'd continue after it. they continue to make the gospel known. They would continue to make disciples. Our goal is to see people who are dead, uh, sitting in darkness and without hope, dead in their sins. We would want to see them come to life. And we would want to see them glory in Jesus Christ. We would want to see them inherit life instead of death and it is difficult and my belief is is it will become much more so as the the days of 2024 unfold here the apostle has written so that you and I are forewarned and in the truest sense if it's ever been true it's true here that being forewarned is to be forearmed and so he instructs here the church he writes so that we will stand firm, that we will resist and not lose ground, so that our witness is not made empty or void, so that we may finish the race. 
We continue from where we left off last week, and we're answering this question, how shall we as Christians effectively battle a spiritual enemy? Because we don't see spiritual enemies. There's a whole, there's the material world that we see, and then there's the whole immaterial world that we don't see. How are we supposed to fight this? And so as we read the scriptures here, what we find out is that the conflicts we face as the Lord's people, they are rooted in the spiritual realm. And so again, listen here to verse 12. Paul writes, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this, uh, of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. He has said in verse 11 that we are to put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. To stand firm, to not be moved, to not lose ground. Last week we saw that the devil, Satan, is an adversary of God and of his people. Both our Lord and his apostles spoke of Satan in quite literal terms. It is not a psychological thing. It's not a sociological thing. It's not something the church invented because we needed a boogeyman to incentivize people to go to church. The devil is real. Satan is real. He is a murderer from the beginning, a liar and the father of lies, the accuser, the destroyer, that dragon, that serpent of old that John would write about in Revelation 20. And though he masquerades as an angel of light, he is no good but a terrible foe, an adversary who prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. He is a schemer, a strategist, quite methodical in how he works on us and fights to make the church and the Christian ineffectual or to keep people from God in Jesus Christ. He is a real enemy. Saying further, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, meaning this, as Paul is writing to these early saints, he's meaning we're not fighting against men. He's not saying that we don't struggle against our own sinful flesh. We clearly do. He's not saying that we don't have physical enemies, but that our struggle in the church is not mainly or primarily against any man. Our struggle is not against kings, presidents, or other religions or governments but is against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. It is not the U.S. government, but Satan and his demonic cohorts that we wrestle against. They are fallen angels. Peter would talk about this. Angels who didn't keep their domain, but abandoned it. Jude would talk about this very thing. These fallen angels who are subjects to Satan... They are rulers and powers. These terms, said Charles Hodge, have probably reference to the relation of the spirits amongst themselves. If you were to read in Daniel chapter 10, verse 13, we are introduced to the prince of the kingdom of Persia, a demon. A demon who is fighting. Daniel has been praying. An answer was given, but given 21 days earlier. And this angel was to bring this message to Daniel, and yet he was kept from it until Michael the archangel came and helped fight uh, the prince of the kingdom of Persia. Rulers and powers, Satan being the most prominent or preeminent of them. 
So it is not just the devil. A, a question came to me this past week. How is the devil, if he's not omnipresent, how can he be everywhere? He doesn't need to be everywhere, friends. Think of the army that he leads, the fallen army of angels, of, of fallen angels, of demons. So we don't just battle the devil, but rulers and powers, a multiple, a, a host of. Uh, John would say in Revelation 12 that a third of the angels of heaven had fallen. Paul goes on to say that we struggle against the world forces of this darkness. That is, the express, uh, expresses the power or authority which they exercise over the world. We struggle against spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. His point is this, that our foe, our opposition, is from Satan and his demons in this sphere. Not the air that I'm breathing, but the space that occupies the region above the earth but below the heaven of the redeemed, if our eyes were only opened as to what was going on in this place today and what is going on outside of the building today. There's a sphere, an atmosphere, where our eyes are kept from seeing if our eyes could be opened, what could we see? There's a spiritual battle that is taking place. And what does it look like? What do they do? How is it that they oppose? Remembering this, friends, that Satan is a schemer. He's a strategist. It is not flesh and blood who is our enemy, but this is not to say that they can't be used by God's permission to oppose you or to oppose the church. And I give you some examples of this. In Matthew chapter 4, we read of how Satan directly tempted our Lord. He came and tempted our Savior. And our Savior responded to the temptations with Scripture. He did not even listen to the misapplication of Scripture that uh, Satan but would counter with truth. In Matthew 16, 23, we see how Satan comes indirectly to our Lord. He came directly in Matthew 4 and Matthew 16, 23. Satan comes indirectly to our Lord using a beloved friend, Peter. Peter, who had just made the good confession he knew who Jesus Christ was. And what a temptation that would have been. Surely, Lord, you're not going to have to go to the cross. No, that's not going to happen. What does Jesus say? Get behind me, Satan. He came indirectly to our Lord, came through a beloved friend. In John 13, 2, we see that the devil put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot to betray Jesus. In Revelation 2, verse 10, the devil was about to cast some, said John, some of the church into prison. In 1 Corinthians 7, 5, Paul would say that Satan tempts men. And in Acts 5, 3, we are told that Satan filled the heart of Ananias to lie to the Holy Spirit. In Luke twenty-two thirty-one, 31, we are told, uh, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has demanded permission to sift you like wheat. And in Job chapters 1 and 2, we read how Satan, though bound and limited by God, yet was allowed to inflict physical suffering to Job as far as taking away children, taking away livestock, taking away buildings. And then finally, he had to stop short of taking Job's life, but inflicted him with boils until he was so miserable he scraped him off with a broken potsherd. And then in Matthew 8, we read how the demons... And all throughout the Gospels, in fact, we read how the demons um, tormented people. 
up to 6,000 um, inhabited the man named Legion. And you remember they had to ask permission and they left and fled and went into a herd of swine and destroyed the entire herd. I want you to notice, friends, that the demons, the devil, they influence hearts, they influence minds. They spur on action. They oppose the Lord's people. They oppose the church. How many times do we read of Paul dealing with angry Jews or Gnostics or legalists or fornicators or litigious people? Paul was constantly battling like this. And it's because, my friends, we discount their existence that we are waylaid by them. Paul would say to Timothy, The Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to all, able to teach, patient when wrong, with gentleness correcting those who are in opposition, if perhaps God may grant them repentance, leading to the knowledge of the truth, that, and they may escape from the snare of the devil, having been held captive by him to do his will. Kept captive, held captive by Satan to do his will. In all of these examples, but the first, where Satan directly assaults our Lord, men or nature are the agents of, the vehicle or the instruments of, the tools of demonic assault. We're in a spiritual battle. And I think we tend to not think we are in a spiritual battle. We tend to think we just got a lot of knuckleheads in the world around us. And we have to deal with them. But it's not that way. We are in a spiritual battle. So back on Christmas Day, 160 Nigerian Christians were killed. Who was the enemy? Was it the terrorists? was it Satan the church was persecuted we lost 160 brothers and sisters that day the scripture would say that our struggle again friends is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers against the powers against the world forces of this darkness against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places Bear in mind, men are without excuse. Ananias was judged for his sin, obeying and acting upon the impulses of his heart, yet it was Satan's temptation which he obeyed. And each of us are to be very careful that we are not employed by Satan to hurt and fight against the work of the Lord. We must be very careful. And I can guarantee you, friends, that there was no one more earnest than Peter. He loved the Lord. He did. Lord, you know I love you. And he had that colossal fail. The best of intentions can be played by Satan. And so that we're detrimental to his, the work of the king. Think of the numerous trials and struggles that the apostles, the early church, the saints throughout the ages went through. Our brothers and sisters today are going through all of it spiritual salt. We are engaged in a spiritual battle. We have a spiritual enemy who will and is assailing us. The ground is hard. People are trapped in darkness, deceived by false systems of thought, in love with false gods. Falsely are people secure. They worship themselves. They worship the earth. They worship the creation. And all of these things, all of these systems that Satan has foisted upon the earth and the church itself is buying into these very things, playing into the hands of Satan. And what is happening is that the gospel and the work of the church is being strangulated. Be 
because we want to appear respectable to the world. We are met as the Lord's people with opposition from within the church and from without the church. Discouraging words, divisive actions, self-centered attitudes, legislation against churches, speech less and less friendly, amenable, uh, amenable to the church. We find the growing tension against the church in our own culture. This election will be important, friends. How long until they accuse the pulpit of hate crimes here? It's already happening in other nations. So as a church, friends, we must be very careful and we must be shrewd not to fall prey to what the devil is doing. Paul would say this regarding the man who was caught in immorality in 2 Corinthians 2, 8 through 10. Wherefore, I urge you to reaffirm your love for him for to this end also I wrote, so that I might put you to the test whether you are obedient in all things. But one whom you forgive anything, I forgive also. For indeed, what I have forgiven, if I have forgiven anything, if I did it, I did it for your sakes in the presence of Christ, so that no advantage would be taken of us by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his schemes. Do you understand, my friends, what this means? We are engaged in a tremendous spiritual battle as a church. We have had and will have tremendous opposition to the work of the Lord that he has called us to. It will come in the form of people we know, friendly faces, it will come in unsuspected ways, it will hit us in areas we fear. Satan knows what buttons to push, he knows how to trip our triggers, and we will get hit with questions such as hath God really said with doubts, did we do or are we doing the right thing? With temptations, with resentments and bitternesses and self-serving attitudes, with opposition from Christian churches, denominations, and distractions abounding. He will attack Grace Reform Fellowship from within and try to divide us from one another and he will try to intimidate us in our work of witnessing of Christ and using our gifts to be his worshipers. That's what we're against, up against. That's what we're fighting. It's a spiritual battle. That's what's going on. We don't want to be ignorant of what he is about, nor ill-equipped for the battle. Therefore, we are told, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. The only way, my friends, to effectively fight and counter this spiritual foe is putting on the full armor of God. Friends, there is only one way to effectively engage the battle, and it is not with the weapons of men, with attitudes of bravado, and not with this or that gimmick, but the whole armor of God. Again, if you will listen to this list that he gives, he speaks in verse 14 of, having girded your loins with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, in addition to all taking up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the spirit and with this in view. Be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints and pray on my behalf that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness 
the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in proclaiming it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Again, listen to how we fight temptations and the attacks of the evil one with truth, with righteousness, with the gospel of peace, with faith, with salvation, by word, and by prayer. It's very straightforward what Paul is saying here and how we are supposed to look and think and react to the attacks of the devil upon the church. And being clothed in this full armor, we will resist in the day of evil when we are confronted with severe trial when Satan and his demons attack us and attack you. Doing so, we will not only stand firm, but will advance the cause of our Lord in this region. Uh, we are not going to go much further um, than this today. In closing, I don't want us uh, to handle these lightly. It is the armor of God which he provides for us, which enables us to withstand the attacks of the evil one. And friends, we so often, and it is really a, a very dangerous thing, we so often lean on our own understanding of things, so often, even in the church, we place our trust in our flesh, our thoughts, our determinations, and we're not stayed upon Jesus Christ. But Jesus Christ, remember, friends, came to destroy the works of the devil. And let me tell you, he has done it. We're, we're not waiting for him to destroy the works of the devil. He has done it. The war has been won. The battles continue, but the war has been won and Christ has overcome. There can be no victory apart from Jesus Christ. And so friends, as we move forward, we continue to keep our eyes on Jesus Christ. We continue to hold to truth and righteousness and the gospel and faith and salvation, the word of God and prayer. And we will see the Lord's victory. We will see the Lord help us. Let's pray. We thank you, Father, again for your word and pray that your blessing will be upon us in our hearts and our minds. We pray, O oh Lord, that you would help us. Help us, Lord, to, to stand in faith. Help us, Lord, clothed in the righteousness of Christ. Help us, Lord, to know our peace with you has been secured. Help us, Lord, to know that we have been saved and washed. Help us, O oh Lord, to stand on the truth of your word. If your people had listened to your word, they wouldn't have had to wander for 40 years in the wilderness if they had just believed what you had said. We pray that we will not be those whose hearts are hardened, but whose hearts are tender to you, who hear the word and obey it. Give us, O oh Lord, we pray, a great boldness in Jesus Christ. We ask all of this now in his name. Amen.